Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. If you're a guest with us today, first of all, just thank you for being here. We, we love it so much when folks come to check us out. Those of you who are with us online, hey, would you guys give them a big hand? Thank you guys for being with us. We love you guys. And uh, we're in the series uh, we're calling Gym Class. It's a study of the book of James. James, short, short for James is Jim. Gym Class. You with me? Okay. Anyways, we're doing this so all the way. It's kind of cheesy. But anyways, we're doing this th- uh, throughout June and July. And we're making it a summer of just digging in God's word. And we'd love it if when you come, if, if those of you who remember what paper Bibles look like, this is one. Uh, I know that many of you haven't seen one of these in a long time, but bring one. There's something about having it right here where you can write on it, make notes. We just believe that when you make notes in your Bible and you, and you, and you say, ah, I had this aha moment, that later on that, that will speak back to you somewhere. When God, when God needs to talk to you, he'll use some of that right back there. So we are in James chapter one. And by the way, next week, Father's Day is going to be awesome. We can't wait to celebrate that with all of you guys. The writer is James. Um, we think that he is the younger brother of Jesus. There were four Jameses. James, I don't know how you say that in, in, in the New Testament. We're pretty sure this was James, the younger brother of Jesus. He is a pastor in Jerusalem, but many of his people uh, that were in his church have been scattered all across the Roman Empire uh, and ma- major cities all across the Roman Empire. There's been a persecution of the church, the Jewish diaspora. A diaspora has gone out in full effect. They're fleeing. They're, they're running out all over the place. And so he's writing to them to remain faithful during su- seasons of, of trials and challenges and, and difficulties that God is at work in their lives, even though they won't always know it, even though they won't always see it, that he's, he's got purpose, even in their pain, even in their trials. And so we read it last week. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And we just stopped on that, those first two words, consider it. Consider that God is up to something good, even in the bad things that may be going on in your life. Consider that God has a big picture view that you and I can't always see, that we, it's up to us to see the big picture. And in verse 12, we find what the big picture is, that if we persevere, if we, if we, if we don't quit, we win. That's what he says. Say that with me. If we don't quit, we win. Like verse 13, if we persevere, if we stand the test, he says we're going to receive a crown of life. And that's the big picture view of what trials are about. The, the, the struggles that come in our lives is that when they're done, when, when, if we'll just consider them as an opportunity for God to do, that God's up to something, that the big picture at the end of the trial, at the end of the test, at the end, if we persevere, there's, com- there's completeness, there's maturity, and ultimately a, a crown of life. And Romans 8, 28 says that we know and that in all things that God is at work to those who love him, for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, in the passage we're looking at today, James is going to take this one step further. And by the way, if you missed last week, we told you James is very, very practical. He doesn't play games. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't worry about what anybody thinks. He just says it like it is. And so when I read this today, don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. Come on, somebody. Like if you feel like, hey, he stepped on my toes, James stepped on your toes. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit did, and, and I'm just a messenger. Hey, can I get an amen, somebody? Just need the help to know that if anybody gets their toes stepped on, it's not me, all right? He says that when we have trials in our lives, struggles, difficulties, challenges, that 
they don't come alone. That's what he's going to say. They're going to show up with temptations, right? Temptations to do the wrong thing. Matter of fact, they, they, they tend to come from the same word, T- temptations and trials, the same exact word. One of them is a, ver- is a, is a verb and one of them is a noun, uh, but it's the same word. So they become trials and temptations, two sides of the same coin. So when you're in a season of struggle, when it's a bad season that you're in, you can also, James says, fully expect that temptations will come as well. And that could be temptations to, to despair. That could be temptations to give up. That could be temptations to walk away from God or to doubt God's goodness in, in your life. It could also show up, and most commonly it does, as temptations to sin in all sorts of ways that we might think will make the trials themselves easier. If I could just do this, it will make the struggle that I'm in sort of go away. That if I give into a particular sin, like if it's a financial stress that I'm in, if I can just give into a particular sin related to money, that it might actually make the trial go away. So that's what James is going to teach us about today. And I want to dive in. James chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. James chapter 1, verse 12. This is where we finished last week. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, the person, that person will receive, say this with me, the crown of life. I, I, if, if you don't hear me say one other thing today, this is the big picture view. This is a 30,000 foot view. I know that life is hard. I know that life is busy. I know that we're aspirational. I know that God has wired us up to want to win and achieve, and we're going to get head down. We're going to plug, plug into raising kids and, and careers. All of that is wonderful. All of that is a beautiful part of our lives. But the big picture thing, please hear me. If you're a believer, the big picture thing is this right here, that when I see Jesus, that the first things I hear from him is, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, like, like if, 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 I, if I miss out on every other thing, but I get that, I'm, I'm the winner. You see what I'm saying? Like, and it's important that you know that this is the big picture because there's so many other things vying for your attention that we forget that at the end of our lives, we're going to one or two places, y'all. I, I know that, that a lot of people don't believe in that, but, but I promise you, that's what the Bible says. And I want to receive the crown of life, who, by the way, the Lord has promised. Underline that in your Bible if you got one. The Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, he, last week he said, whenever you have a trial. So when there's trials, when tempted, the idea is that there's no, you're going to have it. It's not if, it's just when. When tempted, this is verse 13, no one should say God is, is tempting me, uh, for God cannot be tempted by evil right? He cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. With me so far? Nor does he tempt anyone. Now, I find it interesting that this word trial and temptation is the same exact word. One's a noun, one's a verb, but it's the same word. Um, This is how closely associated they are. And I think what James is getting is that trials and temptations are going to be part of everybody's life. Um, anybody who follows Jesus, and matter of fact, even if you don't follow Jesus, even if you, you don't believe in any of this, you've already faced trials in your life and you will face temptations to do the wrong thing. That's just true, yes or no, right? That's true. So trials are used by God. We heard last week, James taught us that God uses those. He doesn't send them our way necessarily, but he uses them to bring out the best in us. But temptations 
are used by our spiritual enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him. The Bible calls him all of those things. That he uses those to bring out the worst in us and also to interfere with the good that God is trying to do through the trial itself. So big picture, God wants us, he wants to mature us, to grow us, and the enemy wants to destroy us. You, you just gotta see it, it's that black and white. God has life for you, the enemy wants death and destruction and chaos in your life. You just gotta know that, and, and James is gonna get in that. So, so even Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. Even Jesus was, he's out in the wilderness, he's fasting, there's temptations to do the wrong things. Everybody will face trials. Everybody will face temptations. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, they will come at the same times. And this is huge. James says, consider it joy whenever you face trials because God is up to something. He may, he may not have caused the trials, and oftentimes he doesn't cause the trials, but he will use them to make you better. That, that God will not waste your pain or my pain, that if, if I'm in pain, God is going to produce something from that for my good and for the good of other people. And it's important to know where the trials are coming from and where the temptations are coming from. But here's the, here's the thing that's tricky. The trials will show up looking like your worst day ever. So our natural reaction is to go, oh no, God help me. God can't be in this. God's not involved in this. There's no way that God can do anything good with what's going on in my life because we can't process it. We can't process it. Um, but here's the other bad part. Temptation will show up looking incredible, right? Like the best day ever. Woohoo! party, summertime. Come on, anybody? Spring break. Remember that one spring break? No, you don't want to remember that one spring break. You're wanting to purge it from your memory. Come on, right? Both of them, however, are going to involve pain. I just, want to, I just want to diagram these for a minute. They're both going to involve pain. But if handled correctly, the first trials, that pain, will produce something. Joy, ultimately. Perseverance. Ultimately, a crown of life. The second will involve pleasure, for sure. But that, that pleasure quickly becomes pain. And that pain, James says, births a kind of death. Sort of destructive things will happen as a result and we'll see it. And we have to be wise to know that if I'm in a season of challenges or trials, that temptations are going to come and I can't afford to be blind to that. I can't afford because I can see a temptation as a way of escaping the pain. And all I'm going to do ultimately is create more pain. I can't be ignorant about that. Trials come at us in life. We don't have a choice. They just come at us. I wish we could. We could just turn off the trial feature, right? I'll just turn that off. You know what I'm saying? Customize my life. Oop. You know, just get on, you know, you get on your phone and go, no notifications. So no trials. Can't do that. Temptations are going to come at us. We don't have a choice about them coming at us either, but we have a choice about how we respond to temptations. So, so a trial can become a temptation very easily. So if I'm hard-pressed in my finances, it might be, uh, and I get desperate enough, I might be tempted to embezzle or to cheat or to steal or to borrow permanently something. Can I, can I use politically correct words, right? A, a person who is having difficulty in their marriage um, may, may see that as an opportunity, a temptation to have an emotional or a physical affair. A person going through a hard season may be tempted to use bad numbing behaviors to lessen the impact. And what James is telling us 
is that you're gonna have to learn how to deal with both of them if you're gonna grow, if you're gonna become. That there's no way, there's no way around them. They're a part of life. And, and so if you don't know that they're a part of life, if you think, man, this is only happening to me and I'm over here by myself and I'm the only one going through this, you'll start to play the victim. And we live in a world right now of victims and, and you're not one of them, by the way. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a victor. Come on, you, you, you are, you, I, the, the, we used to say this thing, I read the back of the book and we win. Come on, somebody, we win. Because Jesus triumphed over death, hell, and the grave, we win, right? You're not a victim. You may have been the victim of something, but you're not a victim. Come on, there's, there, there's a label, there's what happens to you, and there's what you choose to do with what happens to you. And, and so you can be tempted to say, woe is me, and why me, and not realize, man, we're all facing stuff. Everybody is. We're in this together. So James 1, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For, 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 say this with me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Like it doesn't even, he's not tempted at all, nor does he tempt anyone. And then, so what, what James is going to start there, don't, don't blame your temptations on God. It's strange for me when I read this, go, James, why would you say that? Because it's, it's never crossed my mind to blame God for the bad things that I want to do, right? My trials, my challenges, maybe. Like, God, where are you at? But not my temptations, because I know the source of those. It's me, right? It's, it's my own flesh. It's my own wicked bent towards doing the wrong thing that all men and women are, are born with. We're, we're born and shaped in iniquity, Psalm says, right? And, and the enemy uses my own temptations and my own um, sort of natural proclivities against me, my desires. But James writes this anyway, and he does this, I think, for two reasons. Number one, because he's just made the case that God is at work in all of your trials, all of them, the testings, the, the massive challenges in your life. And so the logical conclusion could be that if he's at work in my trials, and, and maybe sometimes he's even responsible for some of them, that maybe he's also at work in my temptations as well. Well, since there's two sides of the same coin and he's involved in the trial, maybe he's also involved in the temptation. And James would say in response, don't ever say that. That's not, that's not how God works. That's not who God is. And he will, in verse 17, point us to the very character and the nature of God. But how do you know God's not tempting you? Because God hates evil. He hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. Can I get an amen from everybody? Because everybody in the room, oh, by the way, you're, you either are or were a sinner. Come on, come on. But because of Jesus right? You're the righteousness of God, right? Come on, everybody with me on this, right? He doesn't hate sinners, he hates sin. No part of him is inclined towards sin. His entire being is repulsed by sin, not drawn to it. And so James says, don't ever accuse God of being responsible for that. But beyond blaming God for the, the, as being the source of temptations, I think what we can do, and I think this is where James might be going, is that people might say, well, God made me like this. He made me with the desire to do this or the desire to do that. Like I could say, um, God made me to love Pop-Tarts, so when I eat the whole box, it's God's fault. Y'all with me on this? He made me to love Big Red, so if I gain 12 pounds in the summer, it's God's fault. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think this is the more logical conclusion that people would say, well, God wired me up like this, and so it's God's fault that I do this. And James would say, you don't understand God. You don't understand how he works. And he'll go on and point to the character and nature of God. But, but, but he's, he's going to first tell us the source of the temptations that are in our lives. By the way, temptation is not a sin. We're not talking about that. Like if you have an, a temptation, a thought goes through your mind, woohoo! like that's not a sin. 
Like it's going on and doing the thing or hanging out in that moment and going like, let's imagine that all the way through to the end. That, that's a different story, but the temptation itself is not. So here's what he says, verse 14. Um, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I, I wanna show you this from the ESV. I think we have this. Do we have this next verse? Yeah. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. I love this word lured because, and any fisher people in the house, persons, any people who like to fish in the room, would you? Seriously, no one? We live in Texas. Oh, a couple people there, yeah. Like four people in the room. You guys need a fish. It, you won't catch anything probably, but you'll be relaxed while you do it and you can drink lots of Big Red. Come on, big, drink a Big Red instead. Amen, all right. That was a saying back when I was growing up, drink a big, anyways. Um, lured like a fish. Now, when you fish, those of you who have, you fish using specific baits depending on what kind of fish you're gonna fish for. So if you put a big piece of stinky cheese on a hook, you're gonna catch cat, thank you, thank you. Somebody's a fisher person. But you're, n- fisher man, he's a man. Um, you're not gonna catch a bass most likely. You, you, need, a, you, need, a, you need a live minnow or, or a lure that's attractive to a bass. And, and here's the bad news is the enemy, your spiritual enemy, he knows what you're going to find attractive. You, you gotta know that. He, if you don't know what it is, he does, and he will put it out in front of you. That's why James uses the word lured. And, and he says, you wanna know where your temptation is coming from? You. He says, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now, where does James know this from? Well, James has heard that Jesus, his own brother, has said this. In Matthew chapter 15, um, there's some Pharisees, these religious people who are following Jesus around, trying to catch him doing things wrong. So they can go back to Jerusalem and report what they've seen so they can charge him. And ultimately what they did was they crucified him, right? And, but, but his, his followers come in one day and they just jump into a meal and they didn't wash their hands. And in the Jewish tradition, this was like a no-no. And so the Pharisees are like, you, you, you guys don't even wash your hands. And, Je- and Jesus is like, really, that's what you're worried about? And so here's what he says, for out of the heart, say that with me, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, Slander, these are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands, that's not what defiles them. Defiles their food, maybe. It's not what defiles them. He's talking about that all the evil inclinations of our heart, uh, they come from us, right? So like, let's not waste energy and time blaming other people or life's circumstances or even the devil. This is a you problem. This is a me problem. That, that there is something going on inside my own heart, inside my own mind that will tempt me to try to escape a trial that I'm going through with some kind of sin, to use, use some means of escape or numbing behavior to, to short circuit the trial I'm in. But James is gonna say it won't work. In fact, if you give into it, it'll lead to the destruction of other things in your life. So temptation, the way it works is that it works on our own desires, which are good, good desires for the good life and for having good days and the enjoyment of our lives. But it, what temptations do, what the enemy uses with these desires, these good desires, is, is, is to get us to think that those good things have to come outside of 
what God's best is for our lives. Like, I know God wants this for me, but if I'm going to have the good life, it's going to be over there doing that other thing. And so I love this verse from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Peter says, for whoever would love life and see good days. In other words, it's not bad to love life and, and want to have good days. That's a good thing. He's like, but if, if, that's, if that's what you want, here's what you got to do. You got to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech, and they must turn from evil and do what? Do good. The, the good life is not going to have you giving into your temptations and desires, but that's exactly what your own spirit, your inclinations are going to be to do the wrong things. So then temptations require yours, your cooperation and my cooperation to go along with them. The enemy cannot get me to do anything that I don't say yes to. He cannot force me to do anything that I don't go, yeah, that's probably the right thing, right? So that's how it works. And of course, we hear messaging in our culture all the time that, that the things that the Bible would call off limits or not right or sin will make you happy or happier, live it up, do what you wanna do, feel good, you know, come to church once in a, a year, check off that box and live your truth, your truth. Now, we hear that word a lot and, and, and I understand what people mean and I agree with some of that, but there's some bad hidden in that as well, I think. That, that, that the, because the problem is, is we have around 8 billion people on our planet right now. That's, how many of you know that's a lot of people, right? And so if every one of those 8 billion people just lives their truth and there is no higher truth to which we can sort of gauge our own truths by, to, 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 then we're gonna be in some serious trouble. And who's kidding? We are in some serious trouble. The, the first gathering said amen a little louder than y'all and didn't leave a brother hanging. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? James tells us that while sin promises certain things, life and good days, it actually delivers a kind of death and bad days. In the big picture, remember, James is talking big picture because we can tend to get our head down and forget there's a big picture, eternal life. But we can also forget in the mundane of just doing the wrong things and making bad decisions that those have a big picture view that if you just keep going with them, there's a, there's a big picture, and James says it's, it's death, a kind of destruction. And so James says each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Now, I love this word desire because we can tend to think, well, because he's talking about it in a bad way that it's bad. No, 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 no. God put all kinds of desires inside of you, right? Incredibly good desires. He wired you up with them. But here's the lesson we learned from the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and what we call the fall of man, right? That God created the desires, sin distorts them, right? So God gives us these desires, but the enemy will distort them. So we have to remember that sin, which is what James is talking about here, will distort the good desires that God's put in us. Sin will make it seem like the good life and the good days can only be had by, by things that ultimately, when you see the big picture of them, are, are, are harming and destroying things in your life. So, so there's another thing that we need to know about our desires. Not, not only did God create them and sin distorts them, but they are never fully and finally satisfied. Your desires aren't. I'll give you a perfect, for instance, uh, how many of you like Thanksgiving Day, right? Um, if you're from Canada, it's a different day but you should probably just pick up our day because our day is better because we have football and you 
kind of do. You have hockey. But we're beating you guys at hockey too now. Just F- and we would beat you at war. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, ki- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Sorry, sorry. I want to stand to, come on, y'all, let's flag. All right. When you eat on Thanksgiving, you eat, do you eat more than enough? Yes or no? Yes or no? Right. Yes. This is where, for the men, we wear stretchy pants on those days. Sometimes when you're a man, you wear stretchy pants. It's for fun. Right? Only a few people know what I'm saying right now. Right? But if you don't, the button's going to give, and Aunt Elda is going to lose a tooth, right, across the room. So, ooh, so full, satisfied beyond measure. What happens after the second football game? What do you do now? You're going back, right? You're going back for more pain, right? More of the stuff that makes you go to sleep again in the middle of the game, right? Because the appetites, desires are never fully and finally satisfied. And thirdly, here's the other thing you need to know. They will always whisper now and never later. This is what you got to know about your desires. Even though they're good, sin distorts them, right? They're never fully and finally satisfied, and they will always whisper now and not next. So, like, if you get an inclination while you're watching the game today or golf or whatever, ooh, some Oreos would be awesome, right? Are you going to wait till next week to go get those Oreos that are in your pantry? No. You want them when? Now, as a matter of fact, if you have small children, you can make them go get them for you. You know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, and get me one of the, refri- go in the freezer and I have, because this is, this is a pro-level life-changing tip, okay, for you. If you'll put your glasses, some of them, in the freezer, when you pull them out and pour the milk into them, it's on a how how never level. So if you leave with nothing else today, I want you to leave with that word from God. Right? They will always whisper now and never later. They only know one word in the English language, and that is more. Like I have enough. No, you don't. You're gonna always want, you're gonna always want more. And you need to know that. And our only hope then. Because these desires are in us. Our only hope is to surrender daily to God, to daily surrender to the leadership of his Holy Spirit as he comes down and empowers us and, and, and walks with us and whispers words of wisdom. And, and oh, by the way, whispers words of conviction. Mm-mm. That's not for you. Don't, don't do that. Our only hope is to slow down and see the bigger picture because of our desires and, and, and the way they can get corrupted and the way that they're never satisfied and the way that they're saying never later right now. We got to see beyond the excitement, beyond the gratification of the moment, and we got to see the bigger picture. The bigger picture of trials, crown of life. And James is going to give us the bigger picture now temptations. And he says in verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth. This is a birthing analogy. We had a fishing analogy. It gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, perfect, mature. That's the actual word. Complete gives birth to, say it with me. So on one hand, we have life, big picture. On the other hand, we have death got to get the big picture. This is what James is telling us here. 
I, I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this verse in the message. He says, lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. And that is truth. Desire conceives. It's not wrong to have desires, but when it's conceived and we've ruminated on it and we've marinated in it and we've imagined it, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it grows up, it gives birth to something else, death, a kind of death and a destruction and pain and trauma and spiritual death. And listen, the enemy wants you to feel stuck in whatever your thing is and feel hopeless about what you're involved in. But God is the God that even if you would say, I'm in a season of spiritual death in my life, God is the God who resurrects dead things back to life. Can I get an amen, somebody? That, that he is the one who came out of the grave and you are not hopeless and I'm not helpless. I don't care what has happened. God is able to resurrect resurrect something in your life. And you got to know that. And James is going to say, don't be deceived about all this. I know it starts out well, the conception, the design, the fun, the dreaming about, the fantasizing, all so good seemingly, but it never finishes well. Never. Right? It always finishes in the death of something, a dream, a relationship, a career, a reputation, God's will for your life involving like what you're going to do. And, and something starts to die. A seed gets planted when we sin and go, I'm just going to stay here a while. I'm just going to live in this for a while. And some of you are like, babe, I knew we should have left before church and gone straight to our vacation. Why did you talk me into coming to hear this dude today? Come on, right? Now, now go with me here for just a couple more minutes. In the case of trials, there's a process at work, right? Consider it joy whenever you face trials of any kind. The, tr the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Produces when it's, uh, perseverance, when it's finished, produces maturity, completeness, and ultimately a crown of life. That's the process. But the enemy has a plan and a process as well. And this is what, what, what James is getting into. There's, there's a deception that starts, Right? So the enemy's process is deception. So Genesis chapter uh, two or three, where I can't remember off the top of my head, the, the serpent comes and speaks to Eve. Did God really say that? Did God really say what he said? And she believes, she's deceived, and she sins. We see that right from the very beginning. And then when we start to, we take our eyes off of God's word, and we take our eyes off of God, we start to believe lies. This breeds desire. That's the lure, lust, greed, pride. Those are the three things, lust, greed, pride. Those are the three things that are going to be one of those pathways. And almost all of the sins that we can be committing are involved in one of those three things. And the pathway is where the enemy knows exactly what kind of lure you need. And you got to be aware of that. It might not be what could trip me up, but it could be what trips you up, right? And then ultimately sin, there's disobedience, right? There's deception, there's desire, there's disobedience. And ultimately, he says, it leads to a kind of death, guilt, condemnation, shame, fear, that's the enemy's plan for your life, death. God's plan, life. The enemy's plan, death. But you won't see either of God's plan. You won't see God's plan when you're in the middle of the trial unless you step back and consider it. And you won't see the enemy's traps in the little thing that seems like it's no big deal if I do this. This isn't gonna hurt anybody. You won't see the trap there unless you step back and see the big picture, death. Life, go all the way back to the beginning. In the very first book of your Bible, there's a tree of life in the Garden of Eden and there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Both of them breed a life. 
And I choose, God says, I want you to choose life. And the enemy says, yeah, I want you to choose what seems like it's going to be awesome, but in the end of it, it's death. But I want you to think about the word full grown when sin is full grown, James says. What is that? Well, the literal word is the same words that he uses about trials. It's, it's, it's perfection. It's, it's completeness. It's, it's finished. That's the word. It's finished. But what is a full-grown sin? I was thinking about that this week. I never heard anybody say what it was. I, I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think a full-grown sin is the kind of sin we've just come to accept in our lives. This is just who I am. This is just how we roll. We rivers men, we're just angry. We're gonna always be angry. Sometimes our anger is gonna spill out and we're gonna be angry and we're gonna sin against our people, but that's just who we are. They'll get over it. They'll, they know who we are. Man, our family, we just drink too much. That's just how we've always been. We're just gonna be alcoholics. That's just who we are. We're just gonna be addicted to this or we're gonna be that. We're gonna choose this thing. Or we're gonna choose that way of thing. And, and, and a full-grown sin is where I say, oh, well, God, I hope you like me how I am because this is what I'm gonna be for the rest of my life. Just this, I'm gonna do this thing that I know is wrong. I'm gonna do it anyway. To the extent that you say, God, you're gonna have to adjust to me because I'm not gonna adjust to you. To, to, to the extent that you say, I'm gonna bend, I'm gonna bend the Bible to fit my life rather than change my life to fit what God's word says. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is what's going on in the world. The Bible, the Bible doesn't really mean that. It didn't really say that. God's, I prayed this one time and God's, me, me and God are cool with what I'm doing. Listen, God will never disagree with his own word. He will never never disagree with his own word. I think a full-grown sin just becomes part of your identity. I think, it, I think it reaches a level of idolatry in your life where it becomes a kind of master to you and dictates who you are and what you're gonna do. And you just say, I don't know what to do, man. This is just what I am. This is what I do. And this is where the enemy builds strongholds in our lives. And we've seen this end in, in the death of so many things, relationships and careers and reputations and, and happiness and the joy and God's plan and God's will. It doesn't have to end in those things, but sometimes it does because we just choose to stay in it. And this is why we hear James offer this plea, this heartfelt admonition. Please, friends, I hear James saying, please don't be deceived. Look at this, my dear brothers and sisters. He's a pastor and his people have been scattered all over the region. And he's like, I'm hoping that this, these words of mine that I'm writing to you under the direction of the Holy Spirit, I'm hoping they'll find you somewhere. And one day you'll read them and you'll catch the big picture view of the trials God has for you. It's gonna be, a, it's gonna be awesome. You won't see it, but you gotta trust me. But I also want you to know you're gonna be tempted in the trials, you're gonna be tempted. And there's a big picture there too. And I want you to say, please don't be deceived, my brothers and my sisters. Get the big picture in view. If we don't quit, we win. I, I got no seconds left. Just, just, just a few more words. John, John 10. This is the words of Jesus. Can we get John 10 up? Jesus says, I am the gate. This is verse nine. Whoever enters through me will be saved. There's not a bunch of ways to God, by the way. I hate, I hate to tell you that. There's just not. Jesus 
is how we get saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, which is safety, it's provision, it's promotion, it's the good stuff in life. The thief, however, comes only to what? Say these with me, steal and kill and destroy. I've come, he said, I have come that they may have what? Life. This is the enemy's plan. This is God's plan. And have it to the, say it with me, full. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not want. Verse five, uh, uh, he says, my cup over what? Overflows. No, 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 the good life is out there. And God says, no, 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 I am the good shepherd. I've come to give you life and, and I want you to be full of it full of it in the good sense of the word. And, and the good, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to lay down my life for you. The tree of, of life, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's always been this. Two pathways, two worldviews. The worldview that says, this is God's word. This is what I believe. I don't always understand it. It's hard sometimes. I won't be perfect at it, but I have the grace of God in my life. Or the one, one that says, yeah, I don't know about all that. I'm gonna do my thing over here. I've got, I'm sophisticated now. I don't need these old, this dusty old book. It's always about choices. God's way, your way. God's way, the way of the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I gotta skip. One more verse, two more verses. Galatians 6, do not be deceived. This is Paul writing later on. God cannot be mocked. In other words, eh, I mean, God are fine. No, 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 God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he, and whoever sows to please their flesh, ah, just live your truth, do, your, do you, baby. Whoever does that, from their flesh, from that decision will reap what? Destruction. But I won't see that in the short term because it's like, what are you talking about destruction? I'm having my best life right now. It's a big picture, man. You got to get back. You got to step back. Oh, there's a process. There's a pathway that I'm on and every pathway has a destination. And I don't care what you, where you think you're going. If I get down on 37 North and I say, I'm going to the beach, Guess what? I don't care how hard I try, I'm not getting there. Doesn't matter what you're what you're what you want to do, it's, it matters where you're actually going. It's a pathway and it leads to destruction. Whoever though sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap a crown of life. Crown of life, death and destruction. You with me? Ah, uh, we can just do whatever. Mm. James says no. But he, he, he points us back to the shepherd. Jesus, I'm a good shepherd. And so James finishes here. Every good and perfect gift. See, the enemy's gonna pitch you a whole bunch of things that are gonna seem good and perfect, but the end result is death and destruction. And Jesus, God says, every, or James says, every good and perfect gift is from, no, no, it, the good life is out there. No, 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 the good life it's coming from up there. It's from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. The enemy operates in darkness. Your heavenly Father operates in light. He, he doesn't change. 
like shifting shadows. It's not like, hey, look at this huge thing of cotton candy. When I get there, it's actually about this much of sugar, like a teaspoon of sugar. He doesn't change. He's not a cosmic shape shifter. When you come to him, when you take one step towards him, he's gonna cover the gap. And when you find him, you're gonna find a good and perfect gift that will not change, that will not rust, that will not be stolen away from, that cannot be destroyed. It is incorruptible. Choose God. Choose God's way. Be not deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Be not deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of what? Of truth, that we may, by, might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. I, I don't have time for it, but I want to just tell you, you can choose God's way and you will know that in the big picture, it won't always seem like it, but in the big picture, there is a crown of life that God has for you if you will just not quit. Father, thank you so very much for your word. Thank you for truth. God, in a, in, a, in a world of error, thank you for clarity that really we're faced with just two big decisions. Which way am I gonna go? Am I gonna go your way, God? Am I gonna trust that you will provide everything that I need in due season if I just won't quit? Or I can choose the way of knowledge and of good and evil. I can just go the way of the world, go the way of the, the crowd, go the way of my own inclinations, just give in to whatever it is that I feel like I should do or think I should be about. God, but every one of these things ends some, in something. And God, I'm just praying for those, these folks whom I love, many of whom would call me their pastor. I pray, God, that they would not be deceived. I pray that the eyes of their heart, Paul says, would be enlightened that it would be open, that they would just see it. That the seed which has been cast out today, which has been shed out all over this place, that would find good ground, that their, their ears would be open, God, that James would go on and say that the word of God is like a mirror that we look into, and sometimes we look into it and we don't see what's there, and we just turn around and walk away from it. God, I pray that many people would just see God's word in juxtaposition to the way that we're choosing to do life right now, God, and we would see that even though it seems like it's the right thing, God, it has a kind of death built into it and that we wouldn't get caught up in it and that we'd follow you, Jesus. However imperfectly we do that, we would just learn day by day, grow day by day, press in more and more. God, that this summer would be a season of digging into your word and being changed by what we read, that as we read the scriptures, that they start to read us and change our lives. I pray this over all these amazing people. I pray for grace and truth and life and hope. God, that if anybody is in this place and they feel stuck, that they will remember that because of you, Jesus, and the cross, that they win, that we've read the back of the book. We used to say, and oh, by the way, we win because of you, that we can do all things through Christ, that we are not stuck, that we cast down strongholds, we destroy them by truth, by the word of God, Lord, that no weapon formed against these people will prosper in Jesus' name, that they are overcomers by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, that they are coming up, God, they are not going down, that they are strong in the Lord, and 
in the power of his might. I pray this over them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said a good amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord, would you? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.